The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer. We've enjoyed bringing this show since 2005. Your host is Mari Frank, a local attorney since 1985. She's a certified information privacy professional and the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, Protecting Yourself with a Personal Privacy Audit, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. Mari's testified many times on privacy issues in Congress and the California Legislature. She served as a privacy expert for numerous court cases nationwide and at a White House press conference featured on C-SPAN. You may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, The O'Reilly Factor, and many more shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. Mari, what's our show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about a lot of very important privacy issues in the law. And we have a wonderful guest who's a returning guest with us. Eric Sinrod is a partner in the San Francisco office of Dwayne Morris, LLP. His trial, appellate, and overall litigation experience, which includes experience before the United States Supreme Court, has covered a number of important internet, technology, intellectual property, information, communications, antitrust, and insurance coverage issues. And he's represented domestic and international clients in major class actions and where hundreds of millions of dollars has been at stake. He's also handled numerous matters for small companies, and he recently was highlighted by an outside publication as the leading IP attorney in the country, and he's been selected by his peers as one of the best lawyers in America, and he, um, in the area of cyber law and as a super lawyer for super uh, business litigation. You can find out a lot more about him at our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy and also at the website of his law firm Dwayne Morris uh, um, dot com. And uh, we're just so thrilled to have you join us, Eric. Thank you for having me. I appreciate being back. Well, Eric, you write a wonderful blog that I, I constantly read about all sorts of privacy issues. Why don't you just give us an overall about some of the privacy issues that are of most concern to most people? <laughs> well, there's so many privacy issues to be concerned about, and I like to say privacy is like oxygen. We don't notice it till it's gone. But in some respects, we're, we're suffocating a bit these days because our privacy is being breached in ways unimaginable. For example, we now have drone technologies. And once upon a time, you might have felt secure in your privacy in your home. So, for example, if you were in your third-floor bedroom walking around without a curtain closed, uh, maybe your bedroom overlooks you know, the woods or a field, you wouldn't think anybody would look in. But now a drone could fly by and actually... Uh, record what's happening in your bedroom. That's something we never really anticipated in the past. 
you know, one thing to point out, though, is some of the privacy transgressions that happen, you know, happen, but they're not terribly significant. Um, and we like to think, for example, that our personal information is handled confidentially on the Internet. So let's just say, Mari, for example, you go and buy an item from Amazon. You know, you're hoping that your name, your credit card information, your address will not be publicly disseminated. Unfortunately, there are security breaches, and credit card information can be obtained and used by others, so they use your credit card number and purchase something for themselves and not for you. But what is the harm there? The harm probably isn't that great. Credit card companies now are pretty good at monitoring this. The credit card transaction will be uh, canceled when you confirm that you were not the purchaser, and life will go on, and the big harm for you simply is now you've got to get a new credit card number, you've got to notify uh, your usual outlets where you purchase things of your new credit card number, um, and that's it. Not a big problem, but your privacy has been breached, right? But well, I think there there's are times, a, yeah. like a very recent incident, where uh, a privacy or a security breach uh, is significant, and that's happened recently with respect to the Ashley Madison website, and I'm prepared to talk to you about that. Right, right. I did want to mention one thing. If you're using a credit card online, you're right. The Fair Credit Billing app protects you. That's great. I, I do worry about people using debit cards online because then the money is stolen right out of your checking account, and then you have to beg the, to get that money back, and it's not so easy. So, you know, given that you want, you know, there are security breaches, given that there are challenges and fraud on the internet, always use your credit card, not a debit card. So if you can't get a, a regular credit card, at least get a prepaid credit card so that you have something safer to use. But yeah, let's go and, and talk about that crazy, scary stuff with uh, Ashley Madison. What What is that all about? <laughs> what is it all about? Well, hopefully... If you don't know about it, that's a good thing for you. Right. That, that, that means you're probably not caught up in it. But unfortunately, tens of millions of people have been caught up. So let's talk about Ashley Madison. And the Ashley Madison website says on its home page, life is short, have an affair. <laughs> the, home, the home page goes on to state that Ashley Madison is the world's leading married dating service for discreet encounters. So if you're a married person and you want to stray... Ashley Madison was trying to lure you in. The site boasted over 38 million anonymous members. Wow. That's the key point. Right. Were these members actually anonymous? Well, when they went online <laughs> to this site, and they were perhaps cruising around looking perhaps for a discreet uh, affair on the side of their marriage, they thought it would be anonymous as to others. But <laughs> <laughs> this site where millions of people go uh, has been hacked, compromising the personal information of many of its users. Yeah. Uh, a hacker called the Impact Team claimed responsibility for the attack, Mari. Yeah. And the Impact Team originally threatened to release and now actually has been releasing uh, private information because the Ashley Madison site and a companion site called Established Men have not been shut down. So what this means is we have... Uh, millions of people whose uh, private information, like their email addresses uh, and other identifying uh, data, are, are being you know uh, downloaded for public scrutiny. Uh, and and, and also, sure, it's users that is taking all deliberate steps to protect them, but those steps 
uh, have not really worked out very well. Eric, uh, it hasn't, so, hasn't uh, there also? Quite interesting about this, there have been, for example, over 15,000 government, federal government email addresses reveal, revealed by the security breach. Mm. And people could not only be in trouble in their marriages, they could lose their jobs because it could go against uh, policies they have in place in terms of their place of employment. If they were going to be sites, for example, while they were at work and using their government email uh, systems, for example, in some states, marital infidelity is still illegal, and certain jobs require you not to engage in illegal conduct. So if you were now being shown to have had an extramarital affair for having used the Ashley Madison site, you're in trouble that way. Uh, clearly, people are in trouble vis-a-vis uh, -vis their spouses. There have been some people who have come forward and said, yes, I've done this. Uh, mea culpa, I'm at fault. Uh, there was one uh, relatively well-known reality TV star who came forward and explained uh, his misconduct using this site. So there are a lot of repercussions to this. Uh, but let me uh, pause for a moment and, and let you jump in. Mike. Well, I was just going to say, you know, we've been reading about extortion, too. I mean, people want money. I mean, these uh, people who are victims are also victimized by extortion, aren't they? That's what I've been reading. I haven't heard so much about that, but that's, I personally haven't heard about that, but I, I could see where that could be the case. Um, but, you know, initially, at least the explained reason for this hack was that this group um, really you know, had sort of a moral stance against this site and the companion site, and they wanted it brought down. Uh, and if not brought down, the, rev the real extortion there was if you don't shut down this site, we're going to reveal the names of the people who've used the site. Uh, I'm not personally aware of monetary extortion happening, but perhaps maybe you can enlighten us. Yeah, I, I read something online recently about that, that they were actually going after people to get money from them, saying we won't put it up if you give us this, this amount of money. Now, I don't know if those were fraudulent emails that people were getting or fraudulent calls that they were getting, but that has become an issue. What about the lawsuit? going? There's lawsuits that have been filed, haven't there? I'm aware of a class action that's been filed by two Canadian law firms on behalf of Canadian users of the site, and they're, I only heard of this just this morning, but I, I imagine, I haven't seen the complaint, but I imagine the charging, charging allegation is that Ashley Madison, you did not have adequate and sufficient security uh, measures uh, in place to protect people's uh, identities. Um, you know, it's hard to know, you know, what is the state of the art. I mean, unfortunately, at times, uh, the hackers are more advanced than the security professionals uh, in terms of uh, their ability to, to breach um, security systems. Uh, and so I'm not saying this in a very articulate way, but it's not uncommon. I mean, we see hear about it all the time in terms of successful security breaches and hacks. And so Ashley Mann is not unique. I, I don't personally know the site. I don't know what they put in place to help protect against this type of uh, problem that's occurred. Uh, it's just that the real problem is that the ramifications are so deep. Uh, you know, we've heard of, you know, major retailers that have had uh, numbers that, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of email addresses and other identifying information revealed. I believe there was Target at one point, and there have been others that have happened. And I'll, I can give you the statistics in a moment with respect to you know, the healthcare industry and financial institutions. So Ashley Madison is not alone, but when people are harmed and there's a problem, 
you know, there are going to be lawsuits. And then the question will be, you know, did Ashley Madison essentially live up to what you would expect of it, uh, and, and, and also what it promised its users. Uh, if its policies people signed on to really promised anonymity and assured them fairly categorically that their information would not be revealed, then they put themselves up to a higher standard or a heightened standard, and I don't mm-hmm. know yet what the case is. But, you know, even with respect to these lawsuits going forward, you know, once the cat's out of the bag, that's the cat's out of the bag. Right. So if your spouse finds out you've had a marital affair, um, that's already happened. And then how do you, what is it you actually recover uh, vis-a-vis the site? Uh, would it, Ashley Madison perhaps could disclaim responsibility for your affair? There's simply uh, an Internet service provider allowing you to interact with others. Maybe they'd even try to claim some sort of immunity under Communications Decency Act Section 230. Uh, so there are a lot of issues here. I know it will be interesting to see if the Federal Trade Commission takes any action because when you promise something on the web, right, the, the, that's going to be considered a deceptive practice if you don't follow through with what you've promised, and they promised anonymity, right? Well, that's, that's right. So the FTC does jump in where you basically have fraudulent and deceptive practices. So when I've counseled clients in the past, I've had some that say, we want to have the platinum, the best privacy policy in the world. And then I say to them, well, yeah. no, you only want to have that if you're going to fulfill that. Right. Much better off being transparent and honest in terms of what level of protection you're going to provide, and then the users can either agree or not. So if you promise something and you don't live up to it, that's when there's a problem. And so it really will come down to it. So it does say sort of in bold letters on the site, I'm actually I'm not sure it's bold, but it's right on the homepage, you know, anonymous users. Okay. That does appear to be some level of assurance, but then you'd have to really drill down into the site and, and, and get to actually to its policies, you know, the policy language itself to see exactly what level of anonymity they're actually providing. Right. There really could be some disclaimers there, and I wish I could tell you I, I haven't looked at it that granularly. Yeah, it's interesting how we think when we're on the Internet in our own bedrooms or in our own kitchens or in our own cubicle at work that we think that we have privacy, but in effect we really don't, do we? Well, privacy is, is, is disappearing in many ways. Um, you know, in our country, we're much more apt to protect speech. You know, it's built into our Constitution and the First Amendment. We're sort of a country of talkers. We don't have one overarching federal law protecting privacy on the Internet. We have sort of, you know, a sector approach. You know, we have HIPAA and Graham-Leach-Bliley and, and others. We have the, the Video Privacy Protection Act, if I have the name right, and that all stemmed from Robert Bork when he was being considered as a Supreme Court justice, and it turned out he had been renting adult uh, videos, so there was a determination that that type of thing should be get private. But I think we're seeing, you know, the world become a much smaller and smaller place as we're living our lives so much more out loud online. Uh, so everything's viewable. There are cameras everywhere on our phones. Uh, there's GPS technology. Um, but on the other hand, the flip side to that is, as we live our lives more and more out loud, there's less of a shock value. I mean, remember once upon a time when Gary Hart was running for president right. and there were rumors of marital infidelity, and he told reporters, well, you know, follow me, you're not going to find anything. Then they found him on a boat off of Florida, the boat called Monkey Business, and he was with a model by the name of Donna Rice. And that absolutely doomed his 
presidential candidacy chances, and he was the front runner of the Democrats back then. You know, fast forward four years later, William Jefferson Clinton was running for president, and there were rumors about Jennifer Flowers and Paula Jones and marital infidelity, and we were a little bit inoculated, and he was a two-term president. And so at some point, you know, we see so much on Facebook, you know, young people, you know, drinking and carrying on at parties. If we were to disqualify everyone who's misbehaved in some way, you know, online or otherwise, because now we can see it from employment and other positions, practically the entire population would be disqualified. You know, who among us has lived an absolutely puritanical, pristine, unassailable life? Uh, human beings are human beings, and they're going to behave like human beings. Um, and now we just see it. And at some point, we might just go, ho-hum, it's just not that big a deal. It really is between the husband and the wife, and it's not otherwise such a big shock. I hope I'm making myself... Yeah, yeah. You know, you were just talking about Facebook, and so much goes on about Facebook, and you recently wrote a blog uh, said, Students' Internship Canceled After Exposing Facebook Privacy Issue. Let's talk a little bit about that. We're sitting here on the campus of the you know, University of California, so let's talk about this, this whole issue. Give us a background on that. I'd have to <laughs> go back in my mind in terms of that one particular blog. You were talking um, about college my students. Was, yeah. yeah. You know, I wish I had that in front of me. Okay. I, but yeah. It was actually a very quick blog that I wrote. But, again, I believe that... Um, was a Harvard intern, student. Yeah. A would-be intern um, who was going to enter, who was going to work for Facebook, was a Facebook over the summer, and then his internship was turned down because he wrote... Um, was writing and was doing his own research on um, an aspect of Facebook that actually needed improvement. Right. And um, and so he was somewhat critical of how Facebook uh, was working, and then Facebook uh, declined uh, his internship before he even started because essentially Facebook took the position that he uh, was violating Facebook's um, uh, procedures and protocols, and he was, you know, essentially uh, improperly scraping data from Facebook's site against its, po its policies to come up with his theory. Yeah. And uh, so he was declined his internship before he started. He ended up then working in Silicon Valley for a different startup company over the summer, and he's, you know, basically said at the end of the day. This was a learning experience for me. So um, it's hard to know exactly. It was kind of a he said, she said. It's hard to know exactly what went on between Facebook and this one particular college student. But it appears that, you know, whether or not he revealed sort of a hole or a vulnerability on Facebook's site, uh, he appears to have done so in a way that violated uh, Facebook's, uh, he basically gained improper access to parts of their uh, site. Right. And um, that's all we know right now. Yeah. You know, I wanted to ask you, Eric, you know, it seems to me like you were talking in the beginning about drones, and, and of course I worry about that, thinking that now you can have a drone the size of an insect. So you think that there's an insect coming into your house, but really and truly, <laughs> it's a drone. What about the laws? I mean, it seems like the laws are inadequate or they just can't keep up with the fast-changing technology? That's always the case. I mean, I, I always say that 
you know, technology it flows out of the box at warp speed, and the law is glacial in keeping it up. It, exactly right. I mean, it's, we have brilliant people, you know, inventing different aspects of technology nonstop. And then we have legislatures trying to sort of keep up, and it's, it's slow-moving. And so drones present a lot of issues. Uh, you have aviation issues. I mean, for example, you know, what happens when drones potentially create danger in the skies for, for aircraft? Yes. Um, at what point do we need to have, you know, pilot license issues? Uh, how about drones crashing into one another? We, we hear about drones potentially delivering products for companies like Amazon, et cetera. What happens when they start getting shot out of the sky and people start stealing, you know, what, what the drones might be carrying? We, we know that drones are used for military purposes. We know that. So that could be concerning in terms of what can be done in terms of cyber war, cyber crime, cyber terror. And then there are all these privacy implications that we can now be tracked in so many different ways. And drones, of course, have cameras on them. And we see wonderful pictures, too, uh, you know, beautiful scenery and nature. And uh, drones can go in so many places, and they're so maneuverable. But they can also film people. Uh, and cameras are just, I mean, this is a concern I have. Cameras are just showing up literally everywhere. Uh, we, we carry them, you know, on our phones. Everyone has a phone now with a camera. They're mounted in cars. Um, we are, you know, we're sort of on public display uh, 24-7, and now potentially even in our homes. Uh, exactly. So you almost have to create your own, a fortress around yourself if you're concerned. But even in our homes, let's talk a little bit about the Internet of Things. People are, you know, we're going to have all of these smart everything, smart cars, smart refrigerators, smart right. alarm systems. Well, I mean, Internet it's of already things, there. You could have a button on your, your laundry machine, and, you know, it sort of tracks when you're running low. Uh, or when you're running low on detergent, you just press the button, and it, you know, alerts Amazon that you need another, you know, carton of the detergent you always purchase, and uh, it shows up. And yeah. you can have buttons, the Internet of Things, you can have buttons enabling you to purchase all sorts of things at, at any time. Um, it could be on your refrigerator in terms of stocking food items. And so what that means, though, is that out there on the Internet, people know sort of what you're up to in your home in terms of your habits. Now, a lot of it is, is incredibly boring. I mean, Mari, does anybody really care how often I use laundry detergent and what quantity? <laughs> I hope not. Um, I think it's but, scarier uh, yeah. with, with the refrigerators because maybe if I'm eating food that I shouldn't be eating and that's not healthy, maybe my health carrier is going to give me a hard time. My, you know, Blue Shield's going to say something to me that they're not going to cover me or something. I mean, it just, you, you know, you worry about things like that when when that kind of information is shared or if it's hacked. For example, if my, uh, my alarm system that I use in my home, if that's hacked into, maybe somebody can turn off the alarm and then they know that I'm away on vacation and they can get into my house. So it just seems like there's a lot of vulnerability with the Internet of Things as well, right? Well, yeah, I think there's, you're talking on an individual scale. I think also on a mass scale. Right. I mean, the more and more we're reliant on everything electrical, you know, if our electrical grids go down, um, how do we even live life? Our smart grid, I mean, yeah. The more and more we get removed from the real world. I mean, once upon a time, people used to actually grow their own food and 
and they would hunt and they would tend their own fences and you know they would, you know they would chop firewood and we're so far from that and as we become more and more dependent on electrical technology and wireless technology you know if we're subject to a grand you know hack attack um, everything shuts down and how do we live and that's cyber war right that, I mean, that's what's scary about thinking about cyber war. If if the smart grid goes down, we have no water, we have no electricity, we have no gas. I mean, this is this is I think um, one of the we don't want to talk about gloom and doom, but I think it's something we can't bury our head in the sand about, right? Oh, I think that's right because you know we think of warfare as you know dropping bombs and and all of that, which is which is terrible. But, you know, cyber war uh, isn't necessarily, you know, launching missiles, you know, uh, but it really can be, you know, uh, disrupting mission-critical systems, like power, like water, uh, like our nuclear power plants. Um, And, you know, I guess the good news is that really hasn't happened. Um, That's that's good news. Uh, Maybe we should be rejoicing that it hasn't happened. But the more everything's interconnected, this way, as you've been describing, potentially the more vulnerability we have. Right. Well, Eric, we have just about two minutes left. Can we end on something else positive <laughs> besides the fact that we haven't like lost everything on the smart grid? Is there any other positive things coming out of these privacy or technology issues? We just got like two minutes. Well, I mean, I, I would just look at the flip side. I mean, what's positive about the internet? I mean, I think. I think it's wonderful. Yeah. That, you know, on your phone, you can do so much. I mean, I think it's great that you can FaceTime your grandmother across the country. Right. You know, somebody tells you about, you know, musical grouping, you can just pull it up and hear the music. You can order books. Um, you know, we can communicate by email, by text, by telephone, um, you know, seeing one another. I mean, we're really in a futuristic world. Life is made so much easier than it used to be. We can be entertained in many ways. We can be so much more efficient in our work. And so we're, we're sort of talking about some of the concerns that come about that why are people giving up their personal identifiable information? Because it's worth it. Yes. Uh, we want, you know, I personally, I like to order stuff from Amazon. I don't want to go to the store. Right. I love it. I, you know, I love it when I go to Zappos and the shoes show up on my doorstep. And, you know, even though my credit card actually has been hacked about a half a dozen times, nothing bad has happened to me as a result. Right. So... Um, we have many conveniences, and, and uh, it makes life much more pleasant and enjoyable most of the time. Yes, and I can read your blog, and even though you're way up there, I can read it whenever I want to. <laughs> I can I can get research, you know, for free. I, I can learn so much. I can, yeah, I mean, I can communicate with friends I haven't seen since I was in high school. So you're right. I mean, we've got all of this wonderful stuff, but I think if you could just tell us any maybe one or two things before we go of what you think we should do to protect our privacy? Well, I think you should change your passwords often and use ones that are not, um, you know, easy. You know, the most common password used on the Internet is the word password. I mean, Crazy. Let's, let's be a little <laughs> bit more creative about that. I think, you should, I think people should, honestly, I mean, I don't, I'm not preaching here or moralizing, but, you know, be careful about, understand that there can be the revelation of your personal identifiable information. And so if you go to a site like Ashley Madison, you know, if that one gets hacked, 
your harm could be a lot more severe than simply if somebody gets your credit card you know, number from Visa and Visa's fraud unit's going to pick it up and tell you about it, and you're going to just cancel that credit card. So be careful where you go. Think about your behavior. I mean, you know, people are going to do what they're going to do in terms of, let's just say, their marriages, but, um, you know, just, I don't know, think twice. I mean, I think we tend to be, I guess this is the main point I want to make, and that is we tend to be so impulsive. I mean, we're just, you know, the click of a, you know, a right. mouse click on your, on your laptop or just, you know, your thumbs on your phone. We, we just go so quickly with emails and texts. But, you know, your digital footprints pretty much live forever unless we get into this right-to-be-forgotten issue, which is a whole other subject, maybe for another discussion, Murray. Thank you so much, Eric. It's been a wonderful interview, but it's time to go. So please make sure that you go and visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacypiracy, where you can see more information about our wonderful guest, Eric Sinrod, who is a partner at the office of Dwayne Morris, LLP. And you can also find out more about him at DwayneMorris.com and look for his technology blog at FindLaw.com Technologist. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.